Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that enables CSMs to manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. For over 15 years, I've been a sales, marketing, and customer success executive, and my career has primarily focused on early and growth stage tech companies. My company, the Success League, works with companies of all sizes, both in software as a service and traditional industries. Today, we'll be talking to Lonnie Spratt, the Director of Customer Success at Intello. Lonnie was an early employee of Intello and built their customer success organization from scratch. And today we're going to be talking about how to build a customer success organization, the various roles you should introduce as you scale, and how to make smart decisions about who to add and when. So Lonnie, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Hi, thank Hi. you. <laughs> thanks you, for having me. No problem. I'm excited that you're here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and Intello? Sure, sure. So, um, so I'll start prior to Intello. Um, I had founded my own recruiting consulting company. So I come from the recruiting mm-hmm. space and we focused on technical recruiting for aerospace companies, medical devices. So I'm really familiar with the technical recruiting world. Um, So I joined Intello when we were seven employees, and that was right before we had raised our Series A, which was an exciting time. And now I lead our customer success organization, which is comprised of three groups, customer success management, support, as well as training and education. And then I'll tell you a little bit more about Intello. So Intello is a recruiting platform that combines machine learning, predictive analytics, behavioral listening, and social signals to help recruiting organizations identify, qualify, and engage with talent. Uh, We were also named a best place to work in 2017 by Glassdoor. That's exciting. I saw that out in your lobby. That's a pretty cool It was just announced like a few weeks ago. Super exciting. Um, And so we work with fast-growing startups to Fortune 100 global organizations, helping them uh, recruit and hire talent. That's exciting. So, Lonnie, you and I have known each other for several years now, and during that time, you've been very busy building up your Intello team, and I think you've had a great experience doing that, and the company's experienced some really amazing growth during that period of time, and so, you know, as you and I were talking about what the topic should be today, that made sense to really kind of dig into that, and and how you've looked at the different roles over the time that you've been growing as a company. So just to kind of back up a little bit and give the listeners some background, can you tell everyone what customer success was like here at Intello when you first started? Sure. So as I mentioned, I joined when we were seven employees. So it was you. (laughs) It was me. It did not exist. We had our two co-founders. We had a few engineers. And then we had one person Mm -hmm. that had a hodgepodge of like (laughs) roles. 
and that was it. So we actually didn't have a, like a defined customer mm-hmm. success team or function or anything. Uh, we had one person that would train customers and okay. then would basically say, reach out if anything breaks. Oh. <laughs> and it was more like a very reactive support okay. type of role. Uh, our CEO stayed really heavily involved early yeah. on with our first customer. So really when I joined, um, it was it was one person who's sort of halfway doing support and, and nothing else. Was it hard to get the CEO to let go of some of those customers? I think so. I mean, our CEO, I mean, he's had other companies before, uh-huh. Intel is successful ones with successful exits, and he's buddies with Jason Lemkin, who's like the SaaS, you know, guru, uh, who always says, you know, you should prize and take care of and white glove service your first 100 customers. Uh-huh. Uh, no matter what. And so our CEO kind of really took that to heart and uh, was very involved. I mean, he was the one closing our first deals. Yeah. So he was bringing in the business. He was talking with customers. He was doing discovery with customers, customer development. Mm -hmm. uh, And then also, you know, helping them once they purchase until to learn, you know, what we can be doing better. So he stayed really involved. And even today, he still is very involved, even though we have a thriving customer success organization. Oh, that's great. So where are you now? So let's let's go to the other end of the spectrum. So okay, many years pass and Tello grows. So what does your organization look like now? So we are now 16 people today. Wow, cool. uh, and I'll give you some context. We're about 115 as a company. So if you look at like the percentage of, of mm-hmm. CS, it, there, you know, I I think one um, we have really focused on customer success early on. Mm -hmm. When I joined the company and we were starting to think about building out customer success, it was even before we had a sales team. Yeah. So most companies start with building a sales team first Mm -hmm. because that's natural and you want to bring in revenue and then they start to think about customer success later. Well, our CEO, like I said, really understood the value of customer success and really Mm -hmm. wanted to start customer success very early on in our company. Um, before you know, most companies would typically, and and now even at sixteen people and only a hundred and you know fifteen for the company, we have a our customer success group is a large one of the largest teams that we have in the company, and I talk to other CS leaders that I mean they have you know their companies are like five hundred employees and they don't have as many people in customer success as I do, so yeah. it's been really great to be here that entire time and really think about how to strategically build out the team. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to kind of share what I've learned in the process and how we've thought about it. That's great. So I'll give you a little context. So 16 people today. So we have three different groups. Our customer success group is split uh, enterprise and corporate. Mm -hmm. So we have CSMs that focus on our corporate customer accounts, and then we have our enterprise CSMs. And then I also have training and education, which is responsible for developing all the training collateral that our CSMs leverage with their customers. And then, of course, support, which is more the reactive, break, fix, troubleshooting. And then we split out on the customer success side, um, enterprise and corporate, we have tiers. Uh, so we have four tiers. Um, there's two tiers that are enterprise and then two tiers that are on the corporate team. Okay, great. That's a good overview as we get into the the next few questions that I've got for you about how you built that up. So you've spent four years building the team. I think you've been lucky to have the flexibility to try a lot of different approaches to customer success. From the various conversations you and I have had over the years, I've I've seen you get a lot of flexibility to kind of build things out the way that you wanted to. 
So what would be your recommendation for startups out there that are at the really early stage in terms of what, what are the first role or two roles that they should hire into their team? So I would, I would say, and again, I, I would caveat this with it really depends on your business and it depends on a lot of different factors. But if I were to generalize, mm-hmm. um, I would say start with generalists. When you're early on, you need your CSMs to be generalists. You need mm-hmm. them to be able to wear multiple hats. Uh, if something comes up, you need them to be able to handle it. Uh-huh. And sometimes if you hire people that are specialists and they're used to just doing one thing and doing that one thing really well, it makes it really hard for them to navigate early on in customer success organizations. So I love hiring like a CSM profile um, for the first CSM you hire is more of like that generalist type of person. Mm-hmm. And when I first started Intel, I started as like the first CSM yeah, and I'd run my business and run my company before. So I was used to doing a lot of different yeah. things, wearing a lot of different hats, whatever you would throw at me, I would figure it out. And so I took that same approach as I started to hire some of our first CSMs of just really finding those people that were strong generalists. Um, and then I would also say keep long-term in mind too, okay. because if you, For example, if you focus on, like when we started our company, we were selling to pretty much anyone who would buy Mm -hmm. Intello. We would, if you had a credit card and you could put, you know, $300 on it a month, like we would sell to you. Yeah. But we knew that like our long-term vision of the company would be to move up market and to eventually sell more into the enterprise. So when I was hiring early on generalists, I also wanted to hire people that I thought could last and grow with Intello um, and could also work with enterprise customers eventually. So if you hire someone where their entire career they were focused just on SMB, and if you know long-term you're gonna be moving up market, you might not have a place for them long-term or they might not feel comfortable doing that role Mm -hmm. so if you can keep the long-term in mind to figure out okay what are you going to need and is there a type kind of growth plan that you can have for someone so I hired people in early on that had a a broad experience they worked with enterprise mid-market SMB customers Mm -hmm. you would feel comfortable putting them in front of any type of customer Um, that was my approach early on okay and then I also focused and again I think I think it also depends on your business. Our business, just by using Intello, doesn't make you successful. Yeah. Uh, uh, And so because of that, you can't just show someone how to click the buttons and then they're instantly successful. We require some domain expertise. So early on, I also hired people that had domain expertise, came from the recruiting world. They were either recruiters themselves or they had worked for another recruiting technology company. So they mm-hmm. really understood our customers. They understood uh, you know, how to do their role because a lot of it is not just showing them how to use the product effectively, but also how to become better at recruiting in general. Mm-hmm. So domain experts, um, I think that allowed us to have instant credibility with our customers when they've when they hear that you've been in their world and you know what they're going through they actually trust you more and will listen to you more other companies maybe domain expertise is not what's necessary maybe it's technical right yes, maybe you have a very yeah. technical product 
And maybe early on you want to hire CSMs that are generalists, but you also want to hire technical mm -hmm. people that can have technical conversations if your product is very technical, for example. Mm -hmm. So I would say just figure out like what that necessary element is. Is it domain expertise? Is it technical ability? Whatever, whatever that is. Okay. Bonus question for you. Yes. Was there anything that you saw in people's resumes at that stage that you made you think, oh, I should definitely interview them? Aside from the domain expertise, did you look for, like, I, I sometimes, when I'm trying to find a generalist, I look for people who have food service backgrounds, like even if it was far back, like in high school, or have some experience as an entrepreneur, because then they've done um, kind of that broad, just like you described, they've done that broad work of running a company. Um, even if it was on a small scale. Was there anything that you kind of looked for? I did. So uh, so a couple things. One, I looked for people that had been successful in multiple types of roles, which seems sometimes counterproductive because you think, you think, well, if this person has had multiple types of jobs, they might not be very focused uh -huh. in their roles. But actually, if they were successful, and like maybe they started in sales and then they became an account manager and mm -hmm. then they went into you know product and now they're in customer success or something but they were successful in each of those functions that shows someone that shows someone that can adapt and they're flexible and they can learn as they go so i looked for some type of trend like that where they've okay. they've had proven experience or different industries so maybe they were just account management or you know customer success but they've done it successfully in different industry domains um, then that also shows me that they have more of that generalist survival capability capability yeah. so that was really big and then and then I also looked for people that had some type of I think the term is like athlete yeah. Not really athlete. If they were an athlete, that's great. But something where it shows that they have that performance. Like the competitive, competitive drive. Competitive drive. Yeah. Something in their background that shows that. Maybe they did play a competitive sport. Like uh -huh. One of the very first CSMs I hired played competitive soccer throughout yeah. college. Very disciplined and, and, and competitive. And, and is really focused on performing at a high level. So I try to find something like that in someone's background, even if it was in high school or college or something like I that. I like looking for that too. And um, the other thing I like looking for is people who worked through college, because I feel like the amount of effort that it takes to succeed in college and then also be working while you're doing that has that similar flavor of a competitive drive and mm -hmm. a real um, work ethic and right. willingness lots to of do what it takes to get things done. So, right. Yeah. Cool. So moving on, as a company moves from the, that startup phase into the growth phase, what are the types of positions they should think about adding to the customer success team? So let's say you've gone through the startup phase, you have a bunch of generalists, where do you go from there? Right. Then naturally you want to start to specialize. Okay. <laughs> so you do the very opposite thing that you started with, uh, in my opinion. Because when you're early on, the reason why generalists make sense is you don't have a lot of budget. You can't mm -hmm. have, you know, one single person do, ever, like, a separate person do all these separate tasks. You yeah. need somebody to do it all because you're, you know, you're, you're looking at budget and you don't have a ton of resources. But as you start to grow as a company, then what becomes important, because by that time you should have more budget, yes. what, beca what becomes Hopefully. more important is scale. Yeah. How are you going to scale? 
and how are you going to make sure that things are consistent across your customers and so that's why i think specialization starts to become more important later on than it is like earlier on so one of the things that we did was we we broke out training and product like specialists because the CSMs historically were doing all the trainings on their own and all of them were doing them a little bit differently, but sort of the same. But I started to realize that they were focusing a lot of their time just doing product training and product training doesn't really change, right? It's just, here's how you click the button. Here's how you move yeah. this to <laughs> over here. And so you can scale that. You can do, you can do on-demand training, you can do recorded trainings. You can hire a training specialist to just knock out trainings, mm -hmm. you know, throughout the week, invite your customers to attend these. And then you have consistency across your customers getting trained in the same way. But then at the same time, what that does is it frees up your CSMs to do more high value activities because CSM should be focused more on strategy and best practices. How can they make their customers more successful once the customer already knows how to actually use the product and what buttons to click? What let's take that to the next level. Mm -hmm. And so for example, for us, you know, we have an email platform where you can reach out to a candidate that you're trying to recruit and send an email to them and get some analytics and know when that person's opening that email. Uh, and so the product training specialist can train the person on how to set up their template, how to trigger the email to go out, how to build the list. But my CSM is going to come in and say, here's how you're going to get your response rate from 10% to 30%. Here's some techniques on when you should send that email, you know, what the content of the email should be, how many characters should be in the subject line, right? That's expertise of a CSM that you want the customer's to have, but if my CSMs are focused on, here's how you click the button, here's how you do the training, they mm -hmm. don't have the time to actually do the strategy and the consulting piece of it. Yeah, and I don't think that positions them right with the client either, because then the client's looking at them as the trainer, not as the consultant, right. and it's a different sort of role. Right, too. exactly. So that's one, um, we did that early on, and then also CS operations or like a, a customer success administrator person, oh, yeah, especially if you're using something like Strike Deck or, or Salesforce, because mm -hmm. that's just a beast to, to figure mm -hmm. out. You know, early on, I was doing it. My CSMs, we were trying to go in and build Salesforce formulas. And obviously, <laughs> as a generalist, you just have to do it and you have to figure yeah. it out. But over time, you want one person dedicated to like, do that right. And I know that there are other thought leaders out there that say you should hire your first CS ops person once you have five CSMs. We didn't do it at five CSMs. We did it more closer to maybe about 10 CSMs. Mm -hmm. But your CS operations person pretty much is responsible for handling all of the administrating of your customer success software tools that you use, whether it's a CRM, whether it's the email mm -hmm. software that you're using to like email your customers, if it's a customer success software, mm -hmm. basically handles all of that administration. Also does work around playbooks for your CSMs, works with your CSMs to figure out where their inefficiencies are. Mm -hmm. How can we get more productivity out of your CSMs. Maybe it's as simple as automating, figuring out how to automate a manual task that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing manually. So those are all benefits that a CS ops person can bring to the table. A data analytics person, that's a lovely nice to have type of role, but someone that can 
get in and not only do data analytics around your team and how they're performing, but also around your customer data. So we do really fun analysis projects to study, you know, what are the trends of our most successful customers compared to the usage behaviors and patterns of our unsuccessful customers or our mm-hmm. customers that have churned, for example. So having the luxury of having someone that could just focus on that for the CS team alone is, is really beneficial. And then I would say also managers. Yes. <laughs> Normally you start and, you know, some, some companies, their first CS hire is like a director of CS. And, you know, I'm not entirely against that, but I don't necessarily think that that's what every company should do because sometimes you just need someone to do the work. So maybe there's a senior level CSM that you can hire who is going to be that generalist that's going to be doing a lot of the work, maybe can eventually grow into a director of CS. That's what I did. Yeah. And, you know, someone that can be, you know, can grow into that role and be more strategic. But early on, sometimes if you just hire someone who's just a leader, this work still needs to be done. And if you hire <laughs> yeah. someone that's not a leader, that's a roll up your sleeves type of leader, then sometimes companies get into a tough spot because they have a leader that's trying to drive strategy and big picture, but not someone that's in the grind doing the actual work with the customers all the time because that's not what they want to do. They want to do strategy. So eventually though, you know, if you have a few CSMs and that's working, you eventually want to hire managers to either promote someone into that manager role or hire another person to come in and kind of start to manage the team and then start to think strategically how are you going to build out the rest of the CS organization. How have you tackled the ratio of managers to team members for your team? So we think about it as one manager for like seven to nine people. Okay. I think once you get past nine direct reports, it starts to be really challenging. Yeah. So I like one either team lead or manager for every like eight CSMs. Okay, great. I think that's something I get a lot of questions about. So it's good to hear your take on that. Definitely. Okay. So in terms of customer success hires, you know, you've had the really small scrappy startup team and you've had now the bigger, the bigger team that you've got currently. What do you see as the biggest differences between the top performing candidates that you had at the startup phase and then the top performing candidates that you have now at the growth phase that you're in? So, yep. So at the startup phase, I would say you're looking for to obviously top performers on both. Right. But, <laughs> but, for, but at the startup phase, you're looking for people that... Um, have the flexibility to do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're measuring them across different metrics because they are generalists, they're able to achieve and hit those different metrics. Sometimes if you think you hired a generalist, but they're only performing in one metric and yeah. the others are not, then you actually hired a specialist that you thought was a generalist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I usually look for people that can perform across the various metrics at the at the startup level because those metrics can be different early on because they're doing a lot of different things. Are they able to achieve, you know, that performance across those different roles and responsibilities that they're doing? Also, what their activity levels are because in early on I think activity levels really matter, especially if you're hiring more junior CSMs, which we did because we were we were um, working with more like SMB type of customers early on. Um, so we didn't need to bring in someone that you know was working with Fortune 100 companies right at that moment. So we're looking for people that can have high activity, you know, volume of activity. If yeah. that makes sense. 
And then for, but then as you grow and scale, everybody becomes more specialized. So, you know, the CSMs that I have today, they're measured on different things. They're measured more on like strategic, how they're able to build strategic relationships across our accounts. Early on, it was just, can you build a relationship with a user that's using Intel? Because that user was often the person that bought it. Right. Now that's not the case. When you're working with a Fortune 100, you know, company, that buyer like doesn't even use your product and the but the users do use your product. So are you are you able to build, you know, multi-threaded relationships very broad and also high up within those organizations? I never measured my earlier CSMs right. on, on that, for example. So that's just one metric that I think kind of changes and it also it's early stage to later stage company, but it also is working with smaller customers versus larger customers. Mm -hmm. So I would say those are, you know, some of the things that that change. And then maybe also that domain expertise. Right. Early on, that was, it was a nice to have. I was Mm -hmm. like, I really want someone that has some of that domain expertise. Even if it was five years ago, it's just nice to have some of it. Whereas now, I'm measuring them on how up-to-date are they staying with the industry and the best Mm -hmm. practices and what's changing in the industry. I'm much more focused on that now than I was early on. It seems like you would need to be because if you're having conversations with Fortune 100 companies and the leaders there, you need to know what you're talking about. And it's going to be important to have those really engaging conversations because you're engaging with top people in those firms and so right. yeah, I can imagine that just became a must-have mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do you recruit for that so for these people that are like working with the more strategic mm-hmm. customers they're definitely more senior in their career they're definitely more specialized the first person that I hired in that role actually came from Deloitte oh okay consultants are great because they have to get in <laughs> get in and learn businesses and, and, and this person actually not only was a consultant, but also a consultant within our industry, which was a, uh-huh. it was like double checkbox, which was yeah. awesome. And this person had also, prior to being a consultant at Deloitte, had their own company. So it was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was like the perfect first candidate for that next level of, of type of CS person when we started to scale. So, so I looked for that, either, you know, some type of consulting background, someone who has owned their own business or been entrepreneurial in the past, some domain expertise. But really what I think distinguished those later hires from the earlier hires was professional polish. Okay. And so we had our strategic CSMs do presentations as part of the interviewing process. Nice. Okay. And before we didn't, the other CSMs that I hired in terms of the generalist, it wasn't really a, a presentation. It was just a role play. Mm-hmm. It was just like, we're going to do a screen share, you know, train me on how to use Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it was just, can you, you know, can you establish rapport? Can you quickly walk me to, through like software, how to do something on something that you're very familiar mm-hmm. with? It's, you're just measuring communication style and can they navigate a screen share? Whereas with the strategic CSMs that I hire now, it's a full-on in-person presentation, you know, with like our CEO in the room sometimes. There's like eight people in the room. Because when you go to a customer and they're a Fortune 100, there's many times there's a VP, there's a C-level in the room. Mm -hmm. There's very high, and you you have to just have that presence and that polish. So beyond the other things that I look for, that was something that became very critical in the later hires. Cool. 
So Lonnie, as you look ahead, what are new roles that are on the horizon for your team and why do you think these roles are important? Great question, because I was just going through 2017, like headcount planning last month and starting to think out, you know, the next 12 to 18 months, which which hires do I want to make and my wish list. So I'll talk through some of them. First one is a community manager. And now that we have so many customers, one of the things that we are doing is with our tier four customer, that's typically our SMB segment. These are the single seat customers that don't have a lot of growth potential, at least not in the, in the next you know, year or two. And so we, you know, we have their business now and it's just more about maintaining that relationship, making sure that they're successful. There's not a lot of strategy that goes into working with these types of clients. And so historically, we've had a dedicated CSM working with these customers. But as you scale, that starts to become inefficient, especially the more and more of these types of customers that you have. And so now what you see a lot of companies doing is having a community manager or pooled you know, type of CSM model Mm -hmm. where you can have that long tail Mm -hmm. sit and it's more automation, very low to no touch, community driven Mm -hmm. help and content, very self-service. We've never had to do that really at Intello, but now we're finally getting to that point where it makes sense. Okay. So a community manager to kind of own that community, kind of moderate Make sure that we're sending out best practices, owning the training of, of those customers in that tier. And then that way I can use my CSMs for the accounts where there is some strategic opportunity to grow those accounts, to build partnerships. So that's one. Uh, team leads and managers are all, the more CSMs I hire, the mm-hmm. more team leads yeah. and, and managers I, I will need. So I just, I have a team lead on the enterprise team. And the enterprise team was smaller previously because we had a large corporate business. Now we're moving more enterprise. So team lead, and team my team lead right now is player coach. Okay. So owns a few accounts of his own, but is also managing a few CSMs. And then on the corporate team, that team's a little bit more established. We have more CSMs. I just hired my very first like team manager who if it works out, we'll be like a director of customer success. Nice. So we have a corporate team manager, and she's going to pretty much own all of corporate CS at Intello. Okay. She's going to manage the CSM. She's going to develop the KPIs and incentives for the team, the strategic direction of the corporate accounts, because, you know, our strategy for how we manage corporate accounts, very different than enterprise. So she's going to own all of that. So that would be great. And then eventually I'll have a team manager over enterprise that will be that, you know, the equivalent to that person. Maybe my Mm -hmm. team lead promotes into that, or maybe I hire, you know, someone externally. The other thing that's really interesting is customer marketing. And there's this huge debate as to like, where does customer marketing sit? Is it CS? Is it marketing? Is it, is it somewhere else? And there's this huge debate and marketing heads of marketing want to fight for customer marketing and leaders of customers just want to fight for Mm -hmm. you know customer marketing i mean companies need that role whether or not it sits in customer success or marketing depends on the company but historically at intello our marketing team has been primarily focused on 
new business. Right. Most marketing teams are classically focused on right. new business. Leads yeah. and, you know, prospects and new business. And we haven't really dedicated any marketing efforts per se to like customer marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, now our customers get the marketing that our, our, our marketing team puts out there for you know, new business customers or, or prospects, but there's nothing that's like really dedicated to um, to like actual customers. Mm-hmm. So that's a role that, you know, that we're looking at um, that I would love to have and would really help, you know, the CSMs as well. And then what also kind of goes along with that, and sometimes it rolls under it and sometimes it's separate, but it's a voice of customer mm-hmm. person or like an advocacy person and that's really you know to just uncover who are your advocates yes those advocates are going to help you bring in new business but those advocates are also going to help you make more of your existing customer base successful and expand business with your existing customer base and the way that you market to your existing customers is very different than the way you market to prospects and when companies try to do the same thing then your customers don't appreciate that right right? it's a different tone it's less salesy when you already have them as a customer and just trying to expand. So I love the idea of having someone that's just solely dedicated to pure customer-only marketing and and customer advocacy. Right. Another really great role um, that I'm starting to see more of and I would love to have is a CS engineer. Mm -hmm. Equivalent to a sales engineer. The sales team gets one. Why doesn't CS get one? (laughs) Uh, So uh, so CS engineer that's really focused on the more technical aspects, but to help and service the CS team, not the sales team on like the sales deals and new business deals. So those are some of the new roles that I think we'll be thinking about over the oh, next 12 that's exciting. 12 to, you have a lot of stuff on your mind. Yes. How long do you think it's going to take to get those pieces in place? Well, I think, I mean, community manager is, is a role that we're opening now. Okay. I just hired my first team manager, um, and I have my team lead. So all of that's, like, in the works now. And then come Q2, I think we're looking um, at that customer marketing and kind of advocacy. Mm -hmm. And then later on in the year, fingers crossed, maybe a CS engineer. (laughs) That's great. We'll have to check back in with you maybe at the beginning of next year and see how all this went and how those roles are working out for you and the team. Yes. Hopefully it's all a learning. uh, It's all learning, right? Uh, And so I love to kind of take what I'm, I've learned and then, you know, look back and say, okay, what would I have done differently? So I'd be happy to share kind of how that rolls and unfolds. Okay, cool. Okay, Solani, if you were starting over and you were a new customer success leader and you were kicking off a brand new team, how would you start the development of your hiring plan? Great question. Love this question. Okay, so I would say if you were, if I were to start to build a customer success team, from scratch, I would start from what the business needs mm-hmm. most at that point. What contribution is this new customer success team that you're developing going to make instantly for the company? What is the business need from this team? And it could be adoption, it could be advocacy, it could be renewals and retention, uh, it it could be like churn, you know, fighting churn. It could be expansion and upselling. Um, most companies obviously want all of that, but there's a certain one that is a non-negotiable where you, you know, we have to be able to have the team perform on this and then everything else is a nice to have. I find that 
actually in our consultancy too, like one of the first things we do is we go around to different leaders in the company and we talk about, you know, what are they expecting from customer success? And I think it can help you really kind of get to the bottom of what is that one thing that is going to be the main driver of the customer success organization as you get it started. Right. And it really actually allows you, the leaders in the company to have the right conversations about what they need from the CS team. I think sometimes you were like, oh, well, we're a company and we're SaaS and we need a customer success team. Like it's just a thing to do, but they don't really think it through in terms mm -hmm. of that tangible contribution. And so it forces leaders in the company to really have the discussion of what's most important right now for us. Is it retention? Is it, are we, do we have a churn problem that we need firefighters to like yeah. go out and, <laughs> and, you know, firefight all day? Yeah. Is it, no, our customers love us. They're happy. Their churn is great, but we need to grow the business and expand and upsell mm -hmm. because all of those things, those, those are all different CSM profiles, mm -hmm. right? The CSM is such a broad function that everybody has a different expertise. You talk to a CSM, they're like, oh, I'm great at adoption and training and best practices. You talk to other CSMs and they're like, I am great at like renewing and upselling and growing our account strategically. Those are different profiles. Mm -hmm. So I think having those conversations early on will set you up to not only hire the right people, but then also it will influence the order in which you hire certain people as well. So for example, if your goal is retention and renewals and you need a lot of data and analytics and operations to piece all that together, well, maybe you hire your CS ops person earlier on than you normally would than if you were just focused purely just on upsells, for mm -hmm. example. So I think the, that's where I would start. And then I would, I would develop a hiring plan that kind of, looks at the business in the next 12 to 18 months and strategically maps roles when we're going to need, you know, those roles. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it will be informed by, like I said, what, what exactly you're trying to solve and achieve with your CS team. Okay, cool. Last question, and this is something that I ask of all of the guests that come on this show. Um, outside of the hiring trends that we just talked about, uh, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Uh, can I say two? Sure, you can say two. <laughs> we'll let you say two. Uh, so I would say standardization across the industry. Okay. And the function. Uh, I think sales... Do you think that's happening? I think, I think it's starting to happen. Okay, because uh, I don't see it happening quite yet. I, I don't, I mean, we're not, definitely not there, yeah. but I, I see the conversations mm -hmm. happening and I see the, you know, the groups trying to form, to develop like some standardization, standardization, even just in terms of how we talk about things yeah. and terminology, for example. So I'm starting to see little hints and signs of it. Um, we're definitely not there yet. Uh, but I think that's what the industry is craving. And I think over time it's going to be necessary because right now, I mean, sales, it's, it's cut and dry. Like you have mm -hmm. your terminology and it's the same mm -hmm. across organizations. Uh, but in CS, we call things 
different things. There's different words for the same thing. Oh, yeah. Even just the word customer success means different things to so different, many different companies. Things. Yeah. So many different things. So it would be wonderful if we had, you know, the same type of standardization as we do in sales and marketing and customer success. Definitely don't think we're there. I think it will be a long time before we're there. But I do see the trend kind of moving in that direction and, and the right conversation starting to happen. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think is uh, the ROI of customer success. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think customer success early on, we're just figuring it out, right? We're figuring out the roles. You're figuring out like what it is. Now we're getting to the point where, okay, customer success has been here for a little while. It's not brand mm-hmm. new anymore. It's newer than sales and marketing, but it's not brand new anymore. So we're starting to see a lot of companies and CS leaders use data to determine the ROI that customer success is bringing to the organizations. And this Mm -hmm. is empowering CS leaders to get more budget, to to get resources, to have a seat at the table, at the board meetings, to be able to really be an equal player with their sales and marketing leader counterparts. Right. And and I, I think there's some really smart and savvy, you know, CS leaders out there that are figuring out ways to use data to drive and kind of show the true ROI of customer success because because like you mentioned customer success means so many different things it's like well they sort of do adoption they sort of do retention and do they really drive new business like yeah it's like yes but like (laughs) how do you prove that right um and how do you how do you organize your data to to, to show that that ROI that the CS team is bringing to the organization. So you see things like CSQLs. Mm-hmm. This is like a new thing, right? CS qualified lead, which because your CS team is like an SDR when it comes to like your existing customer base. Right. And you can show that we close this upsell, even if your CS team isn't responsible for upsells, many of them are, but many of them are not. Even if they're not responsible for closing those upsells, you can tie their efforts to that upsell opportunity. And so they're generating these like CSQLs, this was a CS qualified lead that a Mm -hmm. sales rep then went to close and you can show how that's, you know, trending and what revenue that, you know, that's driving for the business. Um, So you're seeing CS teams be positioned almost like SDR teams in terms of their contribution to new business Mm -hmm. and to upsells even. Um, Advocacy, right? Having having a customer be an advocate and then generating referrals and bringing in new business, Mm -hmm. CS should get credit for that. Um, But a lot of, early on, a lot of, you know, CS organizations didn't track that. Um, and they had well, no way. It's not the easiest thing to track. It's not either. the easiest yeah. thing to track. But now they're they're able to track it, and they're starting to figure out how can we track right. it. And I think that's that's great. That's it's exciting. I think um, the whole idea of using data and metrics to show the value of customer success is really cool. And you and I were both at a meetup last night where we the whole meetup was about data and metrics, metrics. and customer success. And so it's really cool to see all of the conversations happening in our industry about that right now and to hear all the ideas that people have about how they're 
doing it in their company. So it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's a whole different podcast, but I am so data driven. It's just in my DNA and I have to present in board meetings and I show all the data about like what CS is contributing to. And the board's always like, give Lonnie more resources, give Lonnie more money. And I'm like, yes. Yay. Uh, so it, like it, it definitely pays off. Right. It does. So, but yeah. it's a lot of work. Right. And like you said, mm-hmm. it's not easy, but I definitely see this as a trend and more and more leaders and customer success organizations are starting to think that way and it's paying off I think for it's some of them. really exciting so Lonnie I very much appreciate you joining us today on the podcast and sharing your expertise on both hiring and customer success with the audience I'm sure many of our listeners who are thinking about how to hire for customer success have really benefited from your perspective and experiences so thank you very much no thank you this was so fun and thanks for having me and Look, I love this stuff and I I love networking with other CS professionals and leaders. So feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever it is. I would love to continue the conversation. Cool. Thank you. So any of our listeners who are interested in learning more about Intello and how they help companies identify and engage the right candidates should visit their website at www.entelo.com. And since you're all podcast fans, you can also listen to Intello's podcast called Hiring on All Cylinders, and that's available on iTunes and Google Play. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time. 